existence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Radiant Black Podcast. This is a podcast focused on Radiant Black and all things Massive First. Radiant Black, obviously, by Kyle Higgins, Marcelo Costa, Becca Carey, and Michael Basuto, who's joined us here today. Basuto, sorry, editor of Radiant Black, all the Massive First titles, I believe, and Ordinary Gods. Is that correct? Certainly all the ones for now. I, I don't, I'm sort of open in the future to the idea that there might be one that I'm not in charge of, but at this minute, yes, all of them. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, not just editor of all those titles, which is quite impressive, but somehow keeping everyone up to date on all things Massiverse on the Discord as well, because people love throwing so many questions at you. I don't even know how you keep track of all of them, to be honest. Look, I, I, I check in once or twice a day, um, and I, I will be honest with you, um, some people like to speculate and like to go wildly mad, and I just think that it is being responsible for me to sometimes check in and say, <laughs> just... Just chill out, just a li- just a little, just a, a little. little. Bit. <laughs> I noticed there hasn't been any of the chill out stuff regarding the Kathy theory. So like, I already know that we're striking at a, at a hot iron right now with the Kathy stuff. I won't ask them any questions because I don't. I know you have to cover up for like I mean, end game stuff. As editor, you must see some like genuinely crazy stuff and be like, what the hell are they talking about? Because some of the things that people talk about is genuinely extremely random. I mean, yeah, look, I, I, it's very, it's a very interesting experience because I, I, I know some of what's coming and like, you know, we talk, we've got a lot, I don't like to use the word planned because planned is kind of not what it is. We have an understanding of where the book is going. Um, and so Knowing that and knowing what we're actually setting up and what we're actually building towards, it's very interesting to see, like, sometimes someone will be like, I think they're doing this, and I will think, yes, you've caught it. And sometimes someone will be like, I think they're doing this, and I will say, I have to read the issue again because I don't understand how you think that. (laughs) I will say I did pitch Kyle. It's not going to happen, so I can say this on an absolutely nuts role for Kathy in an upcoming issue. Oh. We like we needed a character for a specific slot and like 6 months from now I can tell you what it was once once that issue is out. And we, Kyle pitched someone and it wasn't quite right and I said, "Okay, this will drive like six particular people insane. What if Nathan died?" And we're not going to do it. But I need you to know that I'm on your side. Team okay. Kathy over I'm here. So good. That's something I've always wondered. I'm like, does Kyle like have any sort of awareness whether like Kathy's even like, you know, remotely on the minds of some of the people who read the the book because it seems to be so like a fan favorite almost, which is hilarious. Kyle is, uh, I think, not as online as me, which is probably healthy for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think I think Kyle knows. I just think, you know, like being serious about it the job of us as the creators of the book is to do the thing that makes the most sense for the story not to do something that will drive a dozen people on the internet absolutely insane (laughs) of course for sure and if you do it has to be like a unique groundbreaking way of like podcasters interacting with uh with marshall and stuff like that with the whole circle guy news thing which is like it is obviously for those three guys it's like life made but also it fits in the story and you can take it in a new direction so it just works perfectly 
yeah, so Kathy's going to join Circle Guy News is obviously the, the <laughs> takeaway from that. And what we do, what that means in real life is that we're casting a real woman to play Kathy, and now those guys just have to have her on their actual podcast all the time. So have you cast Kathy, or is it search on? It's like Harry no, Potter I mean, all over look, again. it's it's a real tricky part to cast because <laughs> it's so specific. But we'll find someone. I have faith. I bet Tilda Swinton could do it. But what uh, 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 punch? It's true. It's true. This is uh, how long have we been recording for? Like six minutes. This is an insane podcast to anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. And so one thing I gotta say also, Michael is one of the main hosts of the Ranger Danger podcast, who's appeared in six hundred seventy-six episodes. That's that's pretty incredible. How you know how did that come about? And do you what's just tell us more about that? Okay, I mean, I mean, Ranger Danger is the secret origin story of most of this stuff, to be totally mm. honest with you. So, um, I guess close to nine years ago, um, Matt, who is Matt Groom, who writes Inferno Girl Red, co-wrote Supermassive, is one of my very closest friends in the world, um, originally pitched to me a different thing, but eventually it became like, hey, do you want to do a podcast about Power Rangers? And I was like... Yeah, sure. We probably won't do that for a full decade. That sounds crazy. So we started doing that. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years. We've been doing it a while. We had a couple hundred listeners. Boom announced that Kyle is going to be writing the Power Rangers book. One of our listeners tweets at Kyle to say, hey, would you go on this show? Kyle's like, yeah, sure. Why not? We have Kyle on. It goes really well. Kyle gives us a, sends us another email. It's like, hey, would you be up for doing something every month as like a director's commentary? And we're like, yeah, sure. So we do that for a couple of months. It does not take very long at all before Kyle is like, hey, so you guys know so much about Power Rangers. I have questions. Can you please help me? And then dot, 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 we help Kyle out a little bit, always just a little bit, like we never wrote anything or anything like that. And then Kyle leaves Power Rangers, wants to make something of his own, and is like, Michael, you've organized a a podcast for seven years. Will you come edit this book? And here we are. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. So speaking of editing, you know, one of the things a lot of people have questions about is, you know, that we know that you're a graphic designer and yep. you've obviously done some designing for Radiant Black. You've done, you've, you know, you've created the website, you've designed the website, which is incredible, by the way. One of my favorite things. Yeah, I love it. It's so smooth. The design is aesthetic as hell. It's beautiful. And, you know, what 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 else have you done? Did you do the new logo? Because I know now you were you were saying the other day that the image first reprint of the Radiant Black number one is going to have the new logo. So who did that? Yeah, so the, the new logo was me, and I pitched this new logo a long time ago, like before the book came out, um, and it was just too late. It, the old logo was already on some stuff. The old logo is by a friend of Kyle's, Rich Bloom, who has designed a bunch of old, a bunch of stuff that Kyle had worked on before this, and I just like... I like it, but it has some sort of technical restrictions. Like it's a bit tall, and so it's hard to put on artwork. The diagonalness makes it sort of tricky to slot in. And so I was just like, okay, here's sort of my take on it that fits with my thing a little bit more. And it was just too late. The first logo was on some stuff. So we said, we'll commit to it. We'll like, that's the logo. But then came time to do the trade, and we were like, well, the trades don't have to look exactly like the singles, so we'll use it there. And then 
as we were sort of you know gearing up year two super massive time to go it was a good moment to start switching to using the new logo so the new logo is me i'm designing i, I design everything on the inside of radiant black everything on the inside of rogue sun that book's logo is by the incredible phonographics i didn't do that one um i am des- i've designed the logo for the dead lucky and i'm designing the inside of that book uh didn't do Inferno Go Red. That's Matt's colleagues at For the People who are incredible. Um, didn't do the logo for Ordinary Gods. That's also rich, but do do all the inside stuff for that. Um, and a couple of other logos for some stuff that you guys haven't seen yet is basically all my design work. Have you? Uh, did you create the Radiant language or was that someone yes. else? That, uh, oh. Kyle, sent, oh, wow. Kyle sent an email and said, hey, I'm thinking that there should be some sort of Radiant thing. And about 24 hours later, I sent him a font file and was like, here we go. Done. Uh, have you? Jesus. First of all, that's amazing. That's impressive <laughs> as hell because the Radiant language is huge. Everybody loves it. I mean, I can't believe early on. I remember Mar like decoding the language before you guys released the... Uh, the, the thing in the back, the read radiate. So I thought that was amazing. There was a lot of commitment for people to figure it out. But one thing I also got to say is, have you seen in the, in the Discord the, the radiate language basically translator? Like one of the moderators I, created it. Yeah, I have. It's wild. I do feel <laughs> a little bad because I, like, there's a, there's a font file and I could have just, we could have just given it to you. But those guys, like, recreated the font file themselves, which is a truly wild level of commitment for someone who isn't getting paid on this book. Like I know I did it, but this is my job. And like, that was work for me that just someone did for fun. And I don't really understand having that amount of free time anymore. All right, Marty, you heard that That one's for you. So that's amazing. One thing. So one thing we've heard is, um, sorry, you were going to say, no, no, go on. So we've heard that, uh, well, Matt, actually Matt radio, Matt recently brought up that, you had some writing credits for Power Rangers. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So, you know, obviously going back to Ranger Danger, like we're, we're big Power Rangers fans. And after a while, we'd been helping Kyle a bit. We'd met Daphna, who's the absolutely wonderful editor on those books. Uh, we'd interviewed her, I, th- I think. I think that's the order that that happened. Uh, you know, we talked to Ryan, who is currently is is Ryan is everyone knows Ryan if they're listening to this podcast. Um, and so Kyle was like, Hey, you know, these guys write or like Matt writes and Michael is adjacent to someone who writes. Maybe we could find a little spot for them in a power Rangers book. And we wrote a couple of pictures for one thing, but it didn't end up happening for complicated reasons. And then there was this sort of 25th anniversary story where, there was just a slot for us. Uh, they found room for us. I don't, I've never asked if that was a pain in the ass for us because we're like active Power Rangers fans, but it seems to have been fine. And so they were like, hey, here's an eight page story. Tell a Power Rangers story. And so we got to do that. We got to sort of canonically say that two characters who have never met on screen were actually best friends, which was very fun. Got to tell a little story. And uh, now, like, you know, I am very busy. I don't have time to write a book. But Matt is writing uh, one of the Power Rangers books, which is very cool. That's amazing. I've, I haven't heard of that, where someone starts a podcast about an IP and then they're, like, contributing to it, other than, it's, you know, the Invincible podcast. It's absolutely unhinged. I mean, I mean, truly, like, from here, 
if I look back at the last sort of decade and a half of my life, every little step makes sense, right? Like Hmm. you talk to someone about them writing their Power Rangers comic for five years, and then maybe they want your help when they start a new podcast. Each little bit, I get it. If you look back at the entire arc of the thing, it's truly nonsense, and I can't believe that any part of it has happened. It sounds like fan fiction. Now, I mean, what would have been fan fiction if you wrote it a few years later is like published and stuff like that. Yes, like, it's, it's yeah, amazing. exactly. That's that's amazing. Like, what do you even dream about after that? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what to think of next. That's that's amazing. Is there any other IP that you don't get to talk about, but you're a big fan of, but you wish you could podcast or contribute to? In- interesting. That's an interesting question. I mean, the truth is that Power Rangers has largely consumed my life. Um, yeah. And then that sort of like is softly on the back burner, but only because we're so busy with stuff that I'm actively making. My The thing that I do that is like all of my time off is uh, like tabletop roleplay live streams. Oh. Um, I like the folks at Dark Horse are doing a great job with the Critical Role IP, but... I would love to get my hands in there. I think that's a universe that I understand nearly as much as I understand the massive verse. Um, the folks at Dimension 20 are doing truly some phenomenal work. Uh, if they ever wanted to bring that to comics, that is something that I would genuinely love to be involved with. Um, that's amazing. Do you do your own graphics when you do your own uh, your own playthroughs? Uh, so I Dungeon Master mm. and... Um, that makes sense. I, I, yeah, so, like, you know, I, I make some maps and I, I make some little tokens, but nothing for, like, public consumption, just stuff of stuff of friends that can be, you know, thrown together in five minutes. Have you pitched any, like, tabletop games within the Black Market narrative world? I know you guys are still building up your world there, but have you guys thought of any, like, gaming, whether video games or tabletop? I have a, I have a genuine dream that at some point what I would like to do is stat out the Radiance and then run an adventure for, like, Kyle as Marshall, Cherish <laughs> as Satomi, uh, Megan as Ava, and someone else who we haven't announced yet as Radiant Yellow, and do that. The problem with that is that that is probably a three-month project, and... Hmm. We are. I'm so, I'm so busy. Yeah, so I bet. I, I would love to do it one day, uh, and I, I will never take it off the board. But uh, it's not. It's not an active project at the moment. Okay, it's just an inkling of an idea that one day might become, you know, something bigger. But that's that's really cool. And so Wendell's issue 18. Will there be another co-writer uh, for his origin? There will. We sort of may have accidentally announced that today because. <laughs> I screwed up and sent someone the wrong cover file for something. Um, but technically we haven't said that, so I won't say that yet. But yes, a friend of a friend of Kyle's who's a, a lovely person and much like uh, Cherish and Megan was able to give us a sort of interesting perspective on who that character is and who they could be. Uh, we're working on issue 18 right now, um, among some other issues. Um, I think it's going to be very special if we pull it off. I bet when you guys say special, I mean, it means something different than other creators, because after issues like nine and 10 and the crazy stuff we're seeing, it, it's it's wild. Uh, Best Buy, are they on your ass if you do the episode issue 18? Like, how do you guys not get sued by Best Buy and other companies? What's the, what's the groundbreaking rules here? 
I mean, my secret trick is that I am not in America, so I don't know what is real companies and what isn't real companies. Like, the script says stuff like they fly to the Wisconsin cheese castle, and I'm like, Joe, you made that up. Obviously, that that's a real not thing. Real. I don't. I don't even know. It's one hundred. It's a. It's a shop in Wisconsin that sells cheese, <laughs> and it's shaped like a castle. And, I and so, like, how do I know that Best Buy is a real thing? I've never been to a Best Buy. Down here, I think that shop is called like Harvey Norman, and it's got a picture <laughs> of a guy who was named Harvey Norman on it. I think it was actually two guys, but like, so I, I don't. The secret is that I don't really know what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do, but no one's yelled at us yet, so I think we're okay. Yeah, and the plight of, of Wendell at Best Buy was pretty sympathetic, so you know it was it wasn't it was pro Best Buy if anything. So that's interesting. I just never thought. Uh, I just wondered how you guys got away with that. And it seems uh, by no one suing you and no one really bringing it up, which is the best way to get away with stuff. Yeah, I don't like I said I don't really know, but you know, like Image has a proofreader that checks all of our stuff before it goes to print and they never said that we couldn't do it um so look maybe maybe if we make a tv show we'll have to change it to like good purchase or something <laughs> but for now I, th I think we're doing all right yeah no for sure uh, speaking of good purchases uh, that volume one of radiant black i think it's the nicest trade paperback i've ever owned are you particularly proud of your work on that one that's a complicated question. I mean, like, thank you and yes, obviously that's, you know, this that stuff is important to us to get right because mm -hmm. as cool as the floppies are, the trades are the format in which it lives forever. Um, I mean, yes, I, I think always I designed that thing a year ago probably and there's stuff I would change if I was doing it again now. Um, you know, from the outside you guys don't notice necessarily the sort of stuff that I maybe want to do and I'm trying to do and not quite hitting in my own estimation, hmm. but yeah, I'm happy with it. I mean, like I'm, I'm happy enough that the radiant red trade, I'm not really redesigning anything for it. Uh, the, the next radiant black trades will all match. It's just, you know, your next piece of work is always better than the piece of work that came before it. Hopefully is, hmm. is the dream. So yeah, I, I I like it a lot. I, I like looking at them on my shelf, uh, but hopefully the Rogue Sun trade will be even better. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, it's to think that, and you've been you started with Self Made, right? You've been in the comics sphere for four ish years. Yeah, so Self Made was my first comic, um, and then I think I don't remember whether it was Radiant Black or Ordinary Gods first, but one of those two and then all of this for sure i mean i before that i basically designed websites for lawyers was like my job oh. uh, and then that i that company basically closed down and dot 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 comics so yeah i i mean realistically i've been in comics since the start of radiant black which is wild truly wild and you wouldn't know it with everything so clean and crisp like it's it's legitimate. Like I, if I'm making a book, I'm going to go look for an editor in uh, you know, a failing law firm. That's going to be my go-to. That's it really like it's clean. I can't think of a book that has a more well-designed and more passion. And with you talking about just the front of the copy of the, of the uh, trade paperback, of just like the different lighting and the colors and uh, just updating like a cover already, like the slight changes you make that just add up or this, the whole team decides on how to make this series 
stand out and be like the I think it was the superhero hit of 2021 and uh, I think you can tell it's something special here when everyone's firing on all cylinders yeah I think the 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 sort of secret is you know Kyle has been in comics for I think more than a decade at this point and Marcelo many years but mostly as a colorist but I do think that we all understand that you don't get a radiant black every time you know what I mean like this is Kyle's, I think, fourth or fifth image book, and I think is already his longest running. Like, uh, you can get very lucky and you can have a very good career without getting a book as big as Radiant Black, but it happened, and it is very important to all of us that we treat that with the respect that it deserves while we have it. It would yeah. be a, it would be a real shame, sort of five years from now, to be like. Man, really, people really loved Radiant Black. It's a shame we never did things with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they can't say that about that now. <laughs> like, no. if you guys, yeah, definitely changing the game. I, I can't believe the stuff that you guys have pulled off with this in like 13 issues now. I think we're at 14s coming up soon. Um, how many issues are you juggling? Like, so you're editing uh, Radiant Red and Rogue Sun and Radiant Black, and they all kind of come out on different weeks. In the in a in a month, how many different books do you have to uh, send off to publishers? How many different books? Okay, can one of you count and I will – I can't name everything because there's some stuff that is coming, but sort of on my plate at the moment that you know about, there's Radiant Black, mm-hmm. Radiant Red, Rogue Sun, Ordinary God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's four sort of ongoings. Oh, Radiant Red's a miniseries. There's – and I will preface this by saying I don't only work on massive verse books, so mm-hmm. – uh, this is not me spoiler announcing that we're adding seven new superheroes. <laughs> um, Inferno Go Red, which I'm not editing, but I am sort of active in paying attention to and helping out with. So that's on the list. Uh, the Dead Lucky, which is coming quite soon. We're working very hard on it. Uh, another mini series that we haven't announced yet. Uh, another mini series that we haven't announced yet that I may or may not be working on. I don't know yet. Another sort of ongoing slash maxi series that we haven't announced yet uh an original graphic novel the shorts in the image anthology uh maybe one other thing another thing that's just for me that i'm working on at the moment maybe like a dozen books that's insane uh when do you sleep do you do you sleep (sighs) not enough you know (laughs) um the truth is that the I don't want to downplay the amount of work I do because I work incredibly hard. But the truth is that, like, if you compare the amount of work that I have to do on an issue of Radiant Black to the amount of work that Marcelo has to do, for instance, I get off very lightly. Um, Like, drawing an issue of Radiant Black takes Marcelo basically a full-time month. That's why the book comes out once a month, and occasionally we have to have someone step in. Um. I can juggle this many books. I could not juggle many more than this many books. Um, you know, th- we're we're lucky. Like, Radiant Red is still coming out, but I think we've basically just got one issue to finish off. Like, we're ahead on that, and it's mostly done, at least for now. Uh, you know, one of the other minis that we're spinning up, we're just getting into issue one. So by the time Radiant Red is finished that book can take a bit more of my focus when it will need it. Uh, The Dead Lucky is, you know, we're sort of in that spinning up process, but we're a little deeper ahead. So by the time 
I'm up to the next thing. The dead lucky will be sort of running itself. Um, it's you just have to work with people that you trust to deliver the things that you need on time. It's like I can I can tell everyone, hey, this is when we need it by, and they will either say to me, yes, you'll have it, or no, I don't think we can do it, and we work out a solution to fix that. Uh, is the real trick, I think. That and lots of spreadsheets. It's it's crazy juggling all that stuff. Honestly, it's uh it sounds I mean, stressful already. The, the part of that that I haven't mentioned is, you know, on each book, like I think we sent issue just to talk about Radiant Black, for instance. We just sent issue fourteen to print. I think a couple of weeks ago, um, issue fifteen is being finished. The art is being finished. Issue 16 and 17 is sort of like a loose two-parter, so we're breaking that all at once. Issue 18 is a special thing, so we're working out what that is at the same time. Uh, we're also actively planning Volume 4, which is working out what issues 19 through 24 are. I have to submit a solicit next week for Volume 4, which includes all of those issues in it. So it's it's not just one issue of each of those books that is going on. It's four or five in any given month. That's crazy. I mean, we I did want to ask, um, we always talk in the podcast about how the covers for Radiant Black are always top tier. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask, what is the process of selecting the cover and the cover artist at the same time? Um, lots of different processes, some of which are sort of, so, like, for instance, Marcelo is on the book, and whenever Marcelo has the time, I like for Marcelo to do the covers, because uh, I think he's an incredibly talented cover artist on top of all the other things he's good at. Also, you know, sometimes we have people like uh, Diego, who did that first Radiant Red cover for us that I think we ran on. It was issue two or issue three, I don't remember. And then we saw that and we're like, great, can you do the rest of them? So he did a cover for Radiant Yellow that we've only just revealed, but we've had that in the bag for like a year at this point. Uh, There is also uh, like artists that Kyle knows that might meet him at a convention or send him an email or he will send them an email and be like, hey, can you do something for us? Um, And sometimes, you know, I have a folder in our Dropbox that has probably a dozen covers or so that we still haven't used um, part of the trouble is Radiant Black, the book is kind of shifting constantly. And so I think someone tweeted the other week, uh, was it one and maybe tweeted a cover and was like, this is my cover for Radiant Black. They never used it and we will use it. I think it's a great cover, but it's a cover of Nathan with a Radiant. And unfortunately we dropped a building on him for 12 issues and it would have been a weird cover to run on like issue eight. So sometimes some of the stuff we have in inventory is not because it's bad, but just because we are trying to find the right moment for it. Um, And then there are, you know, there's occasions where we need something specific for an issue. So like, Issue 18 is a radiant yellow issue. We don't have a lot of radiant yellow covers already stockpiled. Um, so we went out to some specific people for that and have gotten some art back for that. And you'll see those next month. Uh, and then there's, you know, like on radiant red, 
I wanted all of our B covers to be by female or non-binary artists. Uh, and we didn't have a lot of those that were of Radiant Red. So I went out and commissioned a bunch of covers for that is something that we also do. Uh, and we'll do that. You know, it's, there's a lot of different ways that a piece of cover art can come into us. And the real tragedy is that like, we we have a certain number of slots in any given month and the cover has to, if the cover's a cool pinup, I don't mind if it doesn't really make sense as the B or the C cover, but certainly the A cover needs to reflect what's in the issue. And so we have to find things that fit and work it out. And that's how covers are made. Awesome. That's really interesting. You're you're almost like uh, with having a rating yourself and then you can just pull out the robot whenever you need the cover. It's like the same thing. You just have them in your little vault there and you're ready to go. And I've never really thought of covers that are like lost to time that never like the amazing art that someone could put out there that just doesn't fit. And they're just like lost to time. That's really cool. I Kyle sent me this morning, like a couple of hours ago, a truly incredible piece of artwork by uh, one of the fr- like a friend of the book, someone who's done work with us before. And it's stunning and because of the way the story is going i don't know when we're going to get a chance to use it and we won't bend the story to make it happen but we will find some way to use it someday but you you guys might not see it for six months it might be longer than that i really don't know i mean i think i can speak for everyone when i say so far all the covers have been top notch but i'm particularly thinking about one of the covers that were shown in the uh, rating black box in the usb mm-hmm. there was one with nathan who's kind of sitting uh, crisscrossed with like a bunch of things floating around him yeah you know that, that is yeah that's the that is i believe the one of ramirez cover if i'm remembering that correctly i hope i am that is like yeah it's it's great it's of nathan and nathan has only been back for a couple months and so We'll find a spot for it. Also, uh, some people wildly speculated when they saw it, and it was not our intention, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. There was there was definitely a lot of speculation about that when we thought Nathan might start getting evil or whatever. I mean, I'm not ruling out that that may or may not happen. I'm just saying that that's not what we intended when we had the cover drawn. Yeah. Uh, another question is, um, Igor Monti has been a fan favorite for a long time, especially since uh, the Supermassive issue. Yep. Uh, could we expect to see him uh, on a more regular basis in the future? Uh, I will say that going forward, our hope is that Igor will be the colorist on Radiant Black. Um, you know, Marcelo covered uh, most of our first sort of six issues or so. Uh, it just it just takes him too long to draw and color an issue um and so you know we had to bring in a colorist we've we tried some people out but they weren't available on a sort of full-time basis uh the intent is that igor will be our colorist from now on sometimes that may not work because he's also incredibly busy and we're trying to juggle his schedule he's pre-committed to coloring inferno go red and so if he has to finish that book and can't fit our book in, we'll have to do something about it. Um, I I want you to see as much more of Igor as we can fit in. And trust me, we we want as much Igor Monty uh, as we can get. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the favorite part of your job with juggling all this stuff? Because we've talked a lot about how stressful it could be sometimes. So I kind of want to see what your favorite parts of it are. 
if I say the end of the day when I get to go to sleep, that sounds really flippant, so I'm not going to say that. I love getting lettering in because, first of all, uh, Becca, who letters most of our books, is a goddamn genius. But also, like, a comic's not a comic until it's lettered, unless it's unless it was intended to be silent, in which case it is. But once the letters are in, the book is finished, and you can actually sort of take a step back and read it as it's intended to be finished. Uh, and so I, I love getting letters in. I really like commissioning artists to do covers. Uh, you know, we've got this big folder, so I don't get to do it quite as much as I would like. But it is very cool to reach out to someone who you are a big fan of and say, hey, I love your work. I think it would look good on our book we will give you money. Is that a fair exchange? And they email back and say, yes. And then they send you back a piece of art and it's like, oh yes, we, everyone was correct that this was a good idea. I'm glad we did. Uh, that's very fun. And I hope to do some more of that in the future. Um, it's all, there's no bad part of the job. The bad part is the stress that happens because of how much of the job you have to do and the timelines you have to do it in. But, you know, I don't not like getting an outline for an arc from a writer and being like, hey, let's work this out because that part's not really working. Or, like, noting dialogue in an issue being like, hey, we need to tweak that balloon. Or putting the trade dress on a brand new set of covers. It's all good and good to do. It's just sometimes we have to do it very fast, and that's what's hard. Mm. Um, what's the most, what's been like the most memorable or notable time that you've caught a mistake, like right before it went to printers, right at the last minute? Has there been any uh, iconic ones that stand out? Interesting. Uh, the truth is that the most iconic stuff to me is the stuff that we didn't catch. Uh, I don't understand how the bit in the end of Radiant Red is like, hey, the next issue's out in 2021. I, was I just get to bring that one up. I don't know how it happened. So many people, like, I proofread the issue. I, I designed it, so I typed it wrong because I'm an idiot. Kyle read you're, the issue. You're working on like a dozen books. It happens. Yeah, but it's not 2021 is the thing. Like, there's some stuff that slips that I'm like, whoops, but I should know what year it is, I think is fair to say. <laughs> Kyle reads it, Cherish reads it, no one notices. There's an image proofreader who checks it, uh, checks the whole issue, always catches a bunch of stuff, must have missed it. There's an image production person who uploads the file. They must have missed it. I read the issue again on our print portal to make sure it's all correct. I missed it again. The number I, of eyes that it went through without anyone going, this is truly a year off, is astonishing. I mean, 2020, 2021, and 2022, they all seem pretty similar anyways. It may as well be the same year. It happens. I... I've got the worst eyes of anybody on this podcast or in the Radiant Black universe. And somehow I, I caught it just in like a random look through. Just like, hey, it wasn't the right number. But no, it's no big deal. I, I mean, oh, yeah, look, for... I, I'm not. The the issue is what the issue is. And I'm not I'm not stressed about it. We have fixed it going forward and it won't be wrong anywhere else ever again. It's just. There's so many moving parts and it is yeah. probably inevitable that eventually one of them will slip a little and we won't notice. It is just truly astonishing to me 
that we didn't notice that that issue had the wrong year number in it. Mm. Yeah, eh, it happens. Bash, do you have any questions? Yeah, so one thing I've noticed is, well, we have some some uh, Discord questions. We'll ask later on some people have put in some questions. Yeah, sure. One thing, yeah, one thing I wanted to ask is I've noticed that, you know, there's in the same way that there is a particular pattern, like we have like four or five issues of Radiant Black and then we have like one origin issue for the original or the additional characters we've had so far. Yep. Uh, we've also had some, for example, we've had like Eduardo Fargato come in and do some issues where he's uh, doing the artwork. We had like Raul and, and Julia doing the coloring on the last issue on Radiant Black 13. Is yep. w- What's the process behind like picking who comes in for whom? And then, like, is is uh, Marcelo Costa taking a break because, like, he needs to take a break? Because I know at the beginning he was um, he was injured and he had that going on. But, like, if we see, for example, Eduardo Fargato is doing Reading Black 15, what's the process that goes behind picking the team? Uh, so it's – that's a very complicated question with a whole series of answers. But, uh, look, the, the short version is – the dream is that Marcelo will draw every issue, right? This is Marcelo's book as much as it is Kyle's. Um, we want him all the time. Drawing an issue takes time and is hard, and uh, drawing an issue every month is very hard, and so sometimes we need to bring people on to help. In this particular case, uh, Marcelo was also sort of had some additional work to do on another project that we're working on. And um, it just was going to be better for the schedule. You know, we've sort of established Eduardo, who we all love as, like, Eduardo can pick up Marcelo's style and it's not, like, super obvious or egregious. And also he's equally talented and could step in for this. Uh, Generally, the process is... I wake up and I got a message from Kyle that's like, hey, Eduardo's going to draw 15. And I send Kyle an issue like, hey, sorry, what's going on? And he'll be like, yeah, it's all fine. We've got it sorted out. Um, Kyle has been doing this for a lot longer than I have. And so he's good at spotting when we're about to have an issue and uh, catching it in advance. Uh, So I I don't know that I've ever, like, picked an artist to fill in on Radiant Black, for instance. Uh, just because Kyle, Kyle knows people, he knows what we need. It's it's all good, and he's able to handle that. Um, yeah, I think that that's the answer to the question. It's it's truly just about keeping the schedule as much as it's possible, and keeping the book as consistent as possible internally, such that someone reading it in trade won't be thrown off unless like with our every sixth issue, that's our intent uh, to sort of bring someone else in and do something completely different. Um, I think that answers the question. Does that answer everything you want to know about that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually have some more interesting questions. I've heard you say before that is something along the lines. It's basically a miracle that any comic gets made every month. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So with that in mind, how has your perspective on comics and reading them changed after you've become a comic book editor? Uh, I mean, the first part is, and, you know, people always used to say this stuff and I never understood it, but I don't have time to read a lot of comics these days. Um, I, I, you know, I have, I, I look at a lot of comics. And so when I'm looking for recreation, I'm kind of looking elsewhere. Um, but certainly the comics I 
do read, I think that I am looking at with an eye more on craft than I did before, uh, like trying to spot what people are doing, where they're doing it, and work out what what of that we can lift or could lift, what of that I don't want to replicate, all of that sort of stuff. Um, the thing that I – another thing that I didn't really understand is, you know, we used to do interviews with Kyle every month, and I would say – the next issue is out on this date. And he would be like, I didn't know that. And I didn't understand that, right? Like, you've got a Power Rangers book. How do you not know when it's coming out? And the answer is, uh, once the book goes to the printer, you have to stop thinking about it. You, It just has to leave your mind. Because if one book's gone to the printer, that means you have a month until the next book goes to the printer. And it means you have two months until the book after that goes to the printer. And it means you have three months until the book after that goes to the printer, and you're probably behind on the scripts for at least one of those. And so you just have to move on and let it go. Uh, okay, like once every couple of weeks, I get a box from Image that is my copies of an issue, and that is how I know an issue is going to come out soon. Um, and that's new, and I don't – I could be more on top of that, but also I am on top of a lot of other things, and it is what it is. Um what else? I'll tell you what impresses me is when knowing how hard it is to make a comic and how hard it is to make a monthly comic, someone still makes like a genuinely artful, craftful, well-written, well-executed monthly comic. Like no, like if someone pulls off a 12-issue miniseries with the same writer and artist and every issue ships on time, and it's good, and it touches you or it speaks to you. I, I that's witchcraft to me. Is like putting a book out every month that's good. I don't. I we can barely manage it. And so when someone really blows me away, I think I am now more impressed because I know how hard it is to do. Cool. Yeah. I mean, definitely must be harder when. Like you said, it's multiple titles in every month. But um, is there anything? I know you say you didn't have much time for reading comics now, but even like uh, growing up, what was your favorite uh, comic books you like to read? So I didn't get into comics until I was sort of an early teenager. Like uh, my, you know, my family is all sort of nerdy for given values of nerdy, and you know, we saw a lot of like comic book movies and superhero movies and stuff growing up but comics in australia is kind of a, a complicated thing like i think in the state that i live in there's probably two or three comic book shops and they're all quite far away from each other like the biggest one you would have to go into the city and we wouldn't go into the city a lot as kids like that's kind of a, a big trip and we're in the suburbs and there's not a lot of need to go into the city. So I didn't really discover, I got into comics because I was an anime kid in the early two thousands and going to the one big convention that we have here and then seeing ultimate X-Men volume one and being like, Oh, it's a, it's a volume one, but it's the, like, I know the X-Men, they make movies about them and this is volume one and it's a new start and I've kind of heard about this. Let's get this and let's see what it is. And then 
from there, dot, 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 comics ruined my life. But that was sort of my, the ultimate line was my way in. And I think in retrospect as an adult, like Ultimate Spidey is absolutely the flagship title of that line. But I was an X-Men kid. Um, and then, you know, I, I read Crisis on Infinite Earths probably too early. And I was like, I have no idea what any of this is, but this is astonishing. I read Sandman probably a bit too young. And I think one day I would love to really go back to Sandman as like an adult who makes comics and read that book properly with almost new eyes for the first time. Um, Lots of stuff. I love, I, I am as much a sucker for like weird indie biographical stuff as I am for big, dumb cape shit. Um, like I read, I don't, no one knows this book. It's called It's a Bird. Um, it's by Stephen Siegel and Teddy Christensen. And it's a, a DC Vertigo graphic novel that is about, it uses the idea of Superman and of being hired to write Superman to explore uh, a medical diagnosis that has affected this guy and his family. And, um, that was really my sort of like, oh, it's sure you could do Spider-Man and Spider-Man's great and I love Spider-Man, but you can also do anything you want with comics. I mean, Teddy Christensen in that book does like 30 different art styles depending on what's appropriate. And I think that really locked something in, in my brain of like, knock it out of the park every time, take big swings because in comics, I mean, the the secret that's the the secret source is no one's paying attention, right? Like, if you make a movie and it's bad, a lot of people will know that you made a bad movie. If you make a comic, there is like seven people doing oversight of our book, and most of them are on the creative team. <coughs> it is worth taking big swings because there aren't people to say no to you. Really interesting. I, I like your insight on. I this is this is really informative stuff. Learning your perspective. What's that book again? Uh, it's a bird. I have no idea if it's still in print or if it's available digitally. Uh, if it is, hold on. I'm gonna check because I want to know. Uh, one sec. Gonna... I just looked it up. It's uh, apparently you could get a trade paperback. Great. Uh, strong recommend would be what I would say. I don't. And again, like you know. It's hard to recommend things. I read that when I was uh, 15 or 16, maybe. Like, I read it very early on. I don't really know if it holds up. It's on my shelf, but I'm afraid to kind of read it again because what if it doesn't live up to the version that's in my mind? But... I mean, I could definitely relate to reading things at a younger age. Like, I think I was like 11 or 12 when I read Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it's always good to kind of go back and read it as a as an adult and see a different perspective on it than when you were younger. Yeah. I will say it looks like It's a Bird is not available digitally for some reason, but there was a new edition like five years ago and it's still available in paperback. So very much recommend picking that one up. One more question for me. Uh, is there any specific artist that you would like to work on a Massiverse cover? Oh, uh, hundreds. I have a note <laughs> on my phone that is 
just titled covers and it has maybe three dozen names on it and that's kind of my like my sort of actually maybe we could do this list i have a separate list that is like i mean yeah i would like Stuart imminent to do a cover but i you know that's a little outside my reach at this i won't name names because it's i feel bad for the people that we've left out and maybe we can get these people and maybe we can't but i am constantly on the lookout for new artists uh, experienced artists who i think would be a good fit people who are coming up who are maybe not not quite ready for it yet but will be ready for it very soon lots of people i uh anyone who we've worked with i would basically love to have again anyone yeah i too many people for me to list names i think can i can i ask about one specific person sure could we ever would would there ever be a chance for a mcfarlane cover i don't know todd mcfarlane um obviously we have a connection through image and I guess I could probably get his email address from someone or get an introduction from someone if we wanted. That to me would be something that I would want to say for a very special occasion. If that were to be something that like, we're not going to run that on a, a an issue in the middle of an arc, right? That's the first issue of a new arc or like the last issue ever or, or an issue that Spawn appears in or whatever the, whatever the thing would be like, we would save that for something special. I I will never say never. It's certainly not something that we're talking about at the moment, but boy, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. That would be dope. Okay. Well, I was, I was just wondering what goes into, if you have like a certain issue that you know that you want to have, uh, like say like a preview for Beast Heart Strikers in it, and but you also put in like a Nathan School of Business, how does that work where you, would you need a, would you need to ask for more pages or is it just that you have like a surplus and you realize you can fit both in? So here's how it works. Um, uh, Because of the way a comic is put together, they have to be a multiple of four pages, right? Because a single sheet of paper becomes left and right, front and back when they staple it together. Mm. Uh, in general, we aim for 22 to 24 pages. Um, <coughs> sorry. Sometimes, like Ryan uh, on Rogue Sun writes to 22 very consistently. Um, Kyle is a little more sort of happy to... Sometimes we'll do 22, sometimes we'll do 24, maybe sometimes, oh, no, this thing is blown out. We'll take it to 26 or 28. But by default, a comic book is 28 interior pages. So if a book is 22 or 24 pages, we have four or six pages in the back to fill out. Uh, And that is where something like a Beast Heart Strikers comes in. We, you know... It's fun to give other people an opportunity to tell little stories in the back of our book. And so we talk to those guys and say, hey, for these four issues, you can have five pages. And that means that in an ideal world, Kyle will write it at 22. I will put a single letters page. We'll have five additional pages. That comes to 28. Sometimes Kyle's writing the issue. Oh, no, this issue is 24 pages. And we'll add four pages to make sure that we can fit in what we've promised to our backup artists 
but also fit in the amount of story. Uh, something that I will say, because I saw this a little early on and it just bugged me. We've never cut a story down to fit a backup in. <clears throat> um, in the case that a story runs long and we still have the backup, we've added pages. You have probably a couple at this point issues of Radiant Black that are longer than usual. Uh, and you may not even have noticed because who counts pages when they're going? But there was just a comment early on that someone was like, you know, I this backup isn't for me and I don't know why they've cut Radiant Black short to fit it in. And that has never happened. And I think, in fact, on the issue that we did it, Radiant Black, actually, we added pages to fit the whole story in. Um, I will say going forward, we don't have any plans for another ongoing backup in the main book in Radiant Black. Um, that's not to say never, but, you know, I, I like to fit a letters page in. We've got a bunch of Marshall School of Business that we still haven't told you about. Awesome. Um, lots of people don't know, like, that we have a shop, so I would like to get an ad in there occasionally i don't want to fill it up with ads but it's nice to remind people that there's stuff that we do um and also you know more room to just like talk about stuff and in in an upcoming issue of rogue sun for instance we're running an interview that ryan did with abel the book's artist where they got to talk about some stuff that they haven't talked about before and in fact i as the editor learned a bunch of stuff about abel that i didn't really know before and it would be cool to have space to do some more stuff like that. So that's the plan going forward. But also maybe we'll come up with something. Who knows? Those are great. That's what I love about Firepower with Kirkman and Samney with their RC Coda, which Bash uh, turned me on to, where it's basically like reading a podcast, seeing, you know, two integral members of the creative team and how and the process. It's it's invaluable. I, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun to so. get to do. Yeah, we know like Kyle loves his uh, director commentaries and it was really cool actually. I just earlier today listened to the first episode of the new Radiant Radio with you and Kyle and Oh, uh, uh, did Ryan. that go did that go up, did it? Yes. I, I gotta be honest, great. I I woke up and came basically straight to this interview. <laughs> so if anything happened overnight, I don't know about it yet. No, it was it great. was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very informative. But there's a few questions and I guess one of these the two of these work well together so i'll ask you first so this is a two-parter but it's short yeah so what's your favorite book to work on and who's your favorite uh character in the massive verse okay my favorite book to work on at the at the moment and i truly just mean like this week is the dead lucky and the reason for that is the new stuff's always exciting, right? Like, I, I love working on Radiant Black, and we're always doing cool new things in Radiant Black, but an issue of Radiant Black can more or less run itself at this point. You know, Rogue Sun at the moment, we've got some sort of complicated stuff going on that we're working out, but, like, Ryan knows how to write that book, and Abel knows how to draw it. The Dead Lucky is in a stage where we're still finding what exactly that book is. And that's always a process that takes a couple of issues to do. And, you know, the art team are, I mean, truly doing incredible stuff, but we are still dialing in like, what exactly does this book look like? What do the colors look like? What do the panels look like? What does the inside look like? And 
it's it's just the most exciting at the moment to be working that out on a new book and in particular like radiant black existed before i was involved i think like it was just the pitch there was no first issue yet but i came onto a book that was already in progress the same was true for rogue sun the same was true for inferno go red all that stuff existed and people were like hey michael can you help us out on this the dead lucky is the first book where i was i was here from jump i read melissa's pitch I like helped talk to artists to work out who was going to do it. I've helped Melissa shape what the story is. It's the it's the place where I felt like I've had the most influence so far. And so all of that combined at the moment means that that book is my favorite. Uh, two months from now, that book will be running itself and everything will be good and I'll be working on something new and that will be my favorite. Or we'll be doing something pat- – we're working on something particularly ambitious for Rogue Sun that will be an upcoming issue. It hasn't been announced yet, but like when I say it's equivalent to Radiant Black issue 10, I don't mean that it's that sort of like trippy head, like neon sort of thing. I just mean it's a very, (laughs) it's a very big swing. It's like a cool high concept idea that we are doing. And when we get to working on that, for those couple of weeks, that will be my favourite because I'm very excited about working on that. So right now it's the dead lucky. That changes day to day based on what cool thing I get to do. Okay. Awesome. If you could choose... uh, Who's your favourite Masterverse character? (sighs) I wasn't going to let you escape that one. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's tough. It's very tough. Um, because the the truth is, and this is something that I'm sort of still trying to work my head around, like favorite character to me means something different than it, I think it means to a lot of people. Like my favorite characters are the ones that are interesting fictional devices for us to tell stories with, right? Like, uh, Marcus, Rogue Son's dad sucks. Like he sucks. He sucks a lot, but that's great because he may not suck forever. And if he doesn't suck forever, we get to tell stories about a guy who sucks becoming a guy who doesn't suck. And if he does suck forever, that lets our other characters grow and respond to that. And while he sucks, that lets him react to stuff by being a huge dick. And that's always a lot of fun. So like, I know a lot of people don't like characters that are bad, but those guys are are my favorites because they're the ones that you can do the most interesting things with. Who is my favorite character in the whole massive verse? I really like BB, who is the hero of the Dead Lucky. Um, I think Melissa is writing her from a very specific place, and that is. I think that will speak to some people in some very specific ways. I like Dylan a lot. Dylan is a a huge dick again, but in a sort of way that I think people can understand maybe how his life has gotten him there. And in a way where perhaps over time we can make him a better person. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, I think the stuff that Matt's doing with everyone over Inferno Girl Red, but particularly Cassia, 
I think I think a different set of people are going to really respond to her. I like I, Marshall is awful, and I love him. I mean, Sheer, who you guys are going to meet in Radiant Black, fourteen is truly this is the worst just person. The, uh, the worst human being I can imagine. And the problem is that as soon as you say to Kyle, "Hey, Kyle, write just the worst man you've ever met," Kyle, sw- and it's delightful because. It's Kyle swinging and this guy who he says baby so much and I hate him, but (laughs) God, I love hating him. I love having a guy on the page who's not real. He's not a real person. We made him up and reading his words, which aren't words, they're just text, makes me respond viscerally. Like that truly is a magic trick. And so as much as I hope that that character is dropped down a mineshaft and we never see him ever again, it's he's a great character. So I guess my answer is everyone. It's mostly the assholes, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I make I I don't like saying I'm a good person for multiple reasons, but I, I like to think that I try in my life not to be an asshole, right? I think that that's, at at the very least, that's the goal I'm aiming. Which means, unfortunately, that there is always a bit of a build-up of asshole, where you're like, oh man, I wish I could be mean to this person, but I'm going to be helpful and supportive instead, because that's the right thing to do. And what that means is sometimes there's there's a bit of a backup, and sometimes you get to let it out on the page, is good. Let it out on the page when we're talking about assholes. It's, it's, it's dangerous territory. I was hoping that no one would call me. Very much get away from me as I was talking. But I think if we all move on right now, we will be fine. In our infamous tier list, we took the image of you in the uh, what is it? Issue six. When we're uh, issue, about it's issue Eight? nine. Nine. There we go. Um, um, yeah, it's nine because it's it's when they're about to pull the plug. Yeah, and um, you were, you know, you looked obviously distraught. If you could choose how to be drawn into a book for another cameo, what would you be doing? Oh, super hot and buff and, like, <laughs> like driving down the street in a cool car. No, I I don't, I don't think I knew that that was going to happen until I saw the page. And at that point, it was too late to object. Um, I don't. I don't want to say I don't like it because that's the wrong way of saying it. It just, I I don't feel a need for that stuff to happen to me, if that makes sense. I kind of want, I'm happy to be mostly invisible on these books. Um, and so, like, I, I don't feel a need to be drawn into the back of pages or anything like that. I the I, Even the fact that people, like, on the Discord who follow me on Twitter know my name is, like, it's it's nice and it's good for the career and so I won't complain about it but it is weird and kind of feels unnecessary to me that anyone knows who I am because I'm just the editor so uh, look if an artist wants to draw me into the back of a page whatever is the funniest like truly (laughs) if it's me getting hit with a baseball bat and spitting a drink out go for it as long as it's funny that's all I ask a lot of baseball in this podcast because we're getting, we're getting the inside baseball behind the scenes stuff from from the great Michael here. But I get it. You don't want to be part of it. But I mean, you stand out. You're you're funny. Like I've seen you every interview I've seen you and you steal it, whether you're brining chicken or just talking Power Rangers, you know. I mean, that's 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 kind of it's it's complicated, right? Because a lot of editors are 
sort of semi-private figures uh, because they're just a person doing a job for a company. And both because I'm a freelancer and so need people to know who I am so that they hire me for jobs. And also because I'm coming from the position of being a sort of lightly successful podcaster. And so a bunch of people already know who I am. I am in kind of a position where I am maybe a more public facing editor than I would be if I did hadn't come in through this other way. Um, and it's interesting and weird and I'm still not entirely used to it, but it is what it is, and I'm I'm working, so I'm not complaining. Fair enough. So yeah, uh, if we see you again, I hope that we do see you drawn like super buff in the comic, like lifting a VW Bug over your head or something like that. But if not, you know, I'll, I'll we'll live with it. Speaking of cowl, which uh, we've seen in you know some capacity in Radiant Black so far, uh, is there any discussion of bringing cowl you know back in some capacity, whether it's the comic itself or uh, so this is a two-part question, or whether it's, you know, featuring them more in, in Radiant Black, because I know the Radiant Black 15 has them on the cover and all that. And then another thing is, is there a chance of ever doing, like, promotional tie-in one-shot in the Radiant universe, kind of how they, like, similar to how they did that Grey Raven comic within the comic of Cowell? Interesting. So I will answer your first question by being both vague and specific, which is to say basically anything that people say to us, like, have you talked about or has there been any conversation about? The answer is probably yes, right? Um, The difference is the degree to which those conversations are serious conversations, right? Like, obviously, for instance, Radiant Red is going very well. I'm really enjoying the book. It's a really fun experience. It would be silly for us to not have at least talked in some capacity about either doing more Radiant Red down the line or doing a Radiant Pink or a Radiant Yellow or a 001 or a Shift or any of that sort of thing, right? And so obviously we have talked about most of that in some form, but, you know, people ask if we've talked about a Supermassive 2 and like, yeah, we loved doing Supermassive 1. We've absolutely talked about doing Supermassive 2. Kyle loved Cal very deeply. I think that shows by the fact that it is still a part of this book, even though it's a small part. And so, yeah, we've occasionally had conversations about what it would mean to bring Cal back. Um, the Whether those things ever happen is we are all very busy. Maybe it would be better to do new things than to revise old things, potentially. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe Kyle next week will come up with a brilliant pitch for Cal 2022 and we will go, shit, let's start like, yes, start writing the script. We have to make this. It is not like we're not working on anything actively at the moment, but I, I, you can never say never about anything is what I would say. Uh, What is important to me is that if someone reads Radiant Black Volume 1, and Radiant Black Volume 2, and Radiant Black Volume 3, and Radiant Black Volume 4, and that's all they ever read that Kyle and I have ever worked on, they get a full story. And that doesn't mean, you know, we can reference Cal, we can talk about it, it exists in our fictional universe. Um, 
we can we can make bits about it and then if you google it you'll discover it's a real comic maybe you'll go pick up the old trades but i would never want it to get to the point where you have to be reading radiant black and another book about different things to have a full story that you understand yeah for sure and you know it, it's just amazing because yeah, I've heard I've heard you say before on the other pods and interviews that you, you don't mind being the, the one in Invisible Man. But it is it is also interesting to see how specifically for Radium Black, you've become just like a person people <laughs> you know go to for very specific things. Though. Yeah, just, I mean, I it, it's funny because as much as I am happy to be invisible, the other part of my job is kind of running interference for Kyle and Marcelo, like if Kyle got on the Discord and answered questions every day, that's 20 minutes out of Kyle's life that I need Kyle to spend writing a script or coming up with an idea for something or answering a different email, you know? So if I can step in and I won't always answer every question, I certainly won't ruin anything that's coming up, but if I can solve a little mystery or explain something and just resolve it and get it off everyone's plate, that's a valuable use of my time. I mean, I, I can pretty much say we, everybody in the Discord appreciates your input. Um, like I bet there's one guy in. who doesn't. I bet there's <laughs> one guy who doesn't know who I am. It's like, who is this Michael guy? Why does he keep talking about this book like he's on it? This is Kyle Higgins's book. Who's Michael? <laughs> doesn't even have a JPEG on his profile picture or whatever. Who is this know, weird it? man? <laughs> The man in the chair. I mean, really, though, it, it is amazing. It's like having Oracle there whenever we're, we're Batman on a mission, if we ever need to see a specific piece of info. Or even if, you know, uh, you're not getting enough letters in, it's a good spot to uh, pop in your letters. Uh, people have been asking us, like, what is the ideal way, just just so we get out there? If someone wants a uh, letter published, what's what are the do's and don'ts? I, I saw this. So I, 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 saw, I saw this question on the Discord, and I've been thinking about it since it came in to try and answer it. So... Hmm. The problem is that part of these are intangibles that you don't control, right? Uh, for instance, send a letter in a month that I don't have a, many other letters, right? Is like, you don't know what my inbox looks like. You can't control that. But obviously, if I have room for three letters and I have three letters, you've got a much better chance than if I have 20 letters. In general, it is helpful if you do something other than just be nice to us. Uh, and I say that because it's very nice when you are nice to us. I always appreciate it. If the letters page is just people saying, wow, Michael, you're great. And me saying, thanks, next letter. Wow, Michael, you're great. No <laughs> one needs that. That's very silly. That would be a silly thing for us to publish. So if you can ask a question, and when I say ask a question, I mean a question that I can answer that doesn't spoil something coming up in the book. Um, like production questions, questions about stuff that's already happened and how it came together, um, questions that let me talk about other things that we would like to talk about, that sort of stuff. Um, that helps because that gives me room to talk about things and open up and be helpful, and that's always very good. Uh, what else? you got to make sure your market is okay to print. Sometimes we get ones that aren't marked that way. Um, I don't know what the actual legality of printing those would be, and I truly think we'd be fine, but just to cover everyone's asses, 
you got to make sure it says it somewhere in the subject line or body and that way i know it's fine um i will do a little bit of rewriting but like come on guys full sentences and full stops and stuff that's pretty much it i think that that's that's everything uh, well, we know you're busy and we don't want to take up too much of your time. So I've got oh, one last question. I will I will answer as many questions as you've got, honestly. Okay. After this, I'm recording another podcast. This is oh, my life uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one question uh, from Riley on the Discord was, yeah. you know, in the future, is there any potential in creating a superhero team book for the Massiverse, like featuring everyone, like, you know, uh, Red and Black, Inferno Girl Red, uh, Dead Lucky Rogue Sun, or does that devalue, like, crossovers and special events i saw this i think it's a very a very astute question um i've been i I was actually thinking about this during the week and i think the answer is no and here is the reason why i don't think we would do that book everything that happens in that book would have to either if it affects the stories of those characters like I said, it would have to be collected in the relevant books, right? Like, if we killed Marshall in that book, for instance, we couldn't just have Marshall disappear from Radiant Black, the trade, with no explanation. And so then you're talking about a book where kind of nothing is allowed to happen. And that could be fun. It could be a real blast. Like, you know, Spider-Man's probably not going to die in an issue of Spider-Man, but you still enjoy Spider-Man. But I think it would be a tricky book to juggle. Also, each of these characters is written by a different person, and those people have really strong views about, like, uh, if Marshall were to show up in Rogue Sun, and that's not something we're doing at the moment, but if it were to happen, I think Kyle would want the ability to write Marshall's dialogue or at least to do a pass, you know, like Ryan would probably work out what he needs the conversation to be first. And so the idea of having a book where that has a writer, someone we bring on and then Kyle and Ryan and maybe Cherish and Melissa all do a pass on the dialogue every month. Uh, that would kill me. It would simply, it would simply kill me. So I don't think we would do that sort of a book. I will say on that note, like uh, we would love to do another supermassive. I don't know if it will be next year or the year after or two years after, or if all of our books will be canceled before we are able to do it. I don't know, but I think that that would be the place for that sort of thing. I will say I have also noticed that we kind of don't have any team books in the series at the moment. Like Radiant Black has other Radiants, but it's not a team book. Rogue Sun's a solo guy. The Dead Lucky is a solo book. Radiant Red's a solo book. I am aware that there is no sort of like Power Rangers analog in our line. And that is something that I am actively thinking about, but we don't have anything to fill it at the moment so maybe some sort of team book of some kind down the line always potential for like one-off crossovers maybe and maybe characters appearing in other books at some point once those books are better established but i don't think we would do a sort of marvel team-up style book 
unless I get off this interview and Kyle's like, hey, I heard that interview. I want to do a Marvel team up book, in which case <laughs> I guess we'll make it work. Yeah, uh, I know today they announced that they're revamping the uh, Radiant Radio. Do you want to talk about that, Michael? Yeah, we can talk about that a little. Um, loved doing Radiant Radio with Megan. Loved it deeply. I consider Megan a friend, a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, Megan is maybe more busy than Kyle and myself combined. Um, and so it just became, unfortunately, something that we couldn't really continue longer term. Uh, so Radiant Radio is... At the at the moment, I don't know I don't know to what degree we've committed to it. We're trying out bringing it back in podcast form as part of the newsletter. Um, we've done one for issue thirteen. I think we're going to do one for issue fourteen. I don't know if it will continue forever and ever in into the future, but uh, it will be back in some form for a while in that place and. I would like to do more. I, I like being on podcasts. You, you have to. I've done like 700 of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's interesting. I really enjoyed Radiant Radio and I'm liking, I, I like seeing it continue on. So it's it's a really good spot. If you guys, if you're listening to this, obviously you want uh, insight on the Radiant Black uh, universe and uh, that's the perfect place to go. So definitely check that out and subscribe to the newsletter there. Yeah, I would reckon like, Look, we try to be on Twitter, and truly, the second something goes up on Twitter, it's up on the Discord. But the newsletter is our sort of like official correspondence place where we tell mm. people about things. So if you could only be in one place, uh, that would be the place that I would recommend you be. Yeah, newsletter always uh, really cool stuff, and that's where you find it about like covers and all this stuff. Yeah, and the shop is amazing. I just want to say, I know you brought it up earlier, but that was a really pleasant surprise. A lot's happened in the first year of Radiant Black, which I don't think, I think a lot of us, we get, especially the readers and some people in the Discord, the people who aren't like, you know, I feel like Michael can appreciate this the most because he's actually part of the team that makes the book. But, you know, you guys are at every step of the uh, the process, so you know how long it takes. And we, we read it very quickly, right? It's once a month, it's a quick issue. And so... Everyone's always like more, more, more. But I think all things considered, the first year of Radiant Black, we've got so much things. It's amazing that we already have a shop like on the website with so much awesome merchandise. They've, they've got regular, you know, drops like today with the newsletter drop. We got the Black Market narrative, of the variant. So that was amazing. And just so many Radiant Rogues already so far in year two. So I'm just, you know, thoroughly impressed. I'm, I'm uh, uh, like, I... You know, I've worked on one comic before and I love self-made dearly, but uh, not many people, you know, read it and uh, that's fine. It found an audience and its audience really liked it, but it's a surreal experience that we are having with this and we'll be here as long as we're allowed to be here. And I don't know how long that'll be, but uh, hopefully it's a while. Yeah, I hope so. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. We really appreciate it. This was amazing. We know you're a busy guy and, you know, we had a lot of fun talking to you. Anytime, guys. I mean, I, I think I don't imagine you'll have more questions next week, but, you know, in <laughs> six months, happy to happy to hop back on and talk about whatever's new. Oh, Actually, 
in six months we will have a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right. the funny the funny thing is we've actually said so many times on previous episodes that you know we want to get Michael on and want to get Michael on. Just personally, I've been really busy. As soon as we had an opening, we were like, "Yep, no, we're gonna make it happen." And once you replied honestly that day to the tweet, which we we were in expecting, we were so happy. So this was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, you, you caught me at a, a time in my I think it was like eleven forty five, and I was going to bed, and I was like. Ah, yeah, I'll do a podcast. Why not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, stars align. Kathy, it was all Kathy. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, well, you bring up Kathy. You said within uh, six weeks, I think, or like six months, there's going to be a Kathy storyline that almost happened that we're definitely going to have, have to ask you about if you don't uh, answer it in the in the notes well, there. It'll be the Believe Kathy me, folks, issue. Six months from now, uh, you will not you will not be wanting to talk about Kathy. You will have other things on your mind. You say that, and I probably will talk about the other stuff, but the Kathy oh, stuff. Definitely Kathy will never go away until no. <laughs> we have to either give her superpowers or kill her on panel. Those are the only two possibilities. That, 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 I, I agree. No, You're right, though. It can't be, can be off screen. It has to be in a, in a panel. I'm just imagining ending an issue where Nathan gets a phone call and it's that Kathy has passed away. And... No. <laughs> Like the, the that would be for no one. It would only be for the people on this podcast at the moment. We couldn't do it. But what if we did? Is the thing. What if we did do that? Right. Nate got me thinking, and that's dangerous for her. <laughs> yeah. Um. So would you say that the like the breakneck pace of year one is that going to continue? Are we still going to get more mind blowing stuff, or are we going to have time to like put our brains back together? Uh, no, absolutely not. You will not have time to put your brains back together. I don't. I, I. I don't know how much to tease, so I won't. I won't tease anything to unspoilers. But there's some stuff coming down the line that you don't know about that I think will blow your mind. Issue. We're, like I said, we're just breaking issue 18, and I think that the ramifications of that issue are huge. Uh, I think volume four and where volume four ends and where we are going after volume four is something that truly not a single one of you could even possibly suspect and uh i cannot wait to absolutely freak your beans with it oh. all right oh, the well, gauntlet's been thrown down get, okay. get the conspiracy theory started guys yep. I think that's the perfect place to end. We have we gave everyone on the Discord and every all the listeners a, bun, a bunch to think about. Thank you again, Michael, so much for joining us, and we'll definitely have you back on in the future. Deal, guys. Stay radiant, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>